Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Tuesday Special Podcast. Before we jump into the episode this week, I'm going to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cabarrus Brewing Company. They've been with me since day one. They're a great brewery in Concord, North Carolina. Check them out online at cabarrusbrewing.com, or if you're in the Concord area of North Carolina, you can go visit the brewery. It's a beautiful tap room, great beer. It's at 329 McGill Avenue in Concord, North Carolina. Once again, cabarrusbrewing.com, your beer from here. Check them out. Our other sponsor for the episode is Threadforge Apparel Company. Check out the new website, threadforge.co, not .com, threadforge.co. If you've seen the Tuesday Special Podcast t-shirts, you've seen the work that Threadforge Apparel can do. They have the website. You can check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash threadforge. Uh, with the new website, they can print to anywhere, I assume, in the world. I'm making that up. And Brad, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But go to threadforge.co. Check them out. Submit your order. They can print anything and everything on any type of apparel. Great company. And I think that's it. So, on to the episode. Everything you said, they already knew, more or less. Well, here's something that you didn't know. Two of those special atomic bombs haven't gone off. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tuesday Special Podcast. Uh, this one, I'm a little wore out. Had a long weekend with X16 from the PWX family and friends. Uh, it was a very successful uh, venture. This is our fourth X16 tournament we've done with PWX Wrestling, and it was uh, it was it was very well done. It was I was very happy with the turnout and the execution of everything. Uh, this is my first time doing iPay-per-views for uh, in probably two years. So uh, that added a level of stress that I haven't had in a long time, and I didn't realize that until the day of the events. But uh, a lot more preparation. But with preparation uh, comes – with I'm sorry. With preparation and execution comes a solid and professional product, and I think that's what we put out. But uh, the beauty of having both of those shows this weekend is I got to sit down with somebody that I see – at all the PWX and Pure shows. And that is the man, the myth, the legend. I say that about everybody. I don't know why I keep saying that. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna carry on the tradition. Because this this guy is insanely talented at what he does. His name is Cliff Riggins. Uh some of people some people don't know him. Some people don't even know him to go to PWX because he's he's in the he's in the shadows. He's the superhero that hides in the darkness in the shadows. And I say that uh to give you the information. I say that because he is the lighting expert at PWX. So if you, uh, I mean, not even, not just PWX, that's how I know him. That's, that's my general relationship with him. But he does this for a living. He works for the union. You'll, you'll hear the stories throughout the podcast episode. He, he works for the union in North Carolina. So, I mean, I guarantee you he's done most any concert that has come to North Carolina within the time frame that he's been working with this. And he's one of those guys that you see, like, go all the way up to the ceiling and, and pull truss up. And we talk about all that stuff. I'm fascinated because I'm scared of heights. And uh, we get into some cool stories. We get into some uh, some cool run-ins with celebrities, some uh, not-so-cool run-ins with the celebrities, uh, some awesome stories from PWX and his experiences and my experiences. And it's just a fun episode if you're if, 
if you're in the uh if you if you have an interest in how all this stuff happens because if you think that a team just shows up to an arena or uh an arena or a event center or a town hall or anything like that and everything's already set up that'd be so easy i, I would love if anybody had that ability i would love to take advantage of that but that's not how it works there's a lot of people behind the scenes that show up maybe a day before maybe at eight o'clock that morning and they start setting all this stuff up and they set up the stage they set up the trussing they set up the lighting they set up everything that makes that show look so professional and these guys usually don't get a spotlight shined on them, no pun intended. But uh, but yeah, so that's why I wanted to sit with Cliff because uh, he does so much work. He's such a such an incredibly hard worker and such a perfectionist like me, as you'll find out. Uh, and I learned a lot about Cliff. I mean, me and Cliff are we're, we're friends. We talk uh, sometimes outside of wrestling, but not really hang out. But we always see each other at wrestling, and as always, uh, like I said last week when I was talking about Jamie, it's always uh, like like you see an old friend from high school when you when you link up at wrestling shows but uh but that's enough about me and cliff uh you'll hear plenty of it during the episode so if you like rigging no pun intended again on his last name uh, light rigging uh lights uh production anything you're gonna like this episode or if you just like to hear some cool stories dealing with celebrities and uh this and that you're you're gonna enjoy this episode so without further ado i almost forgot before i get into that Check out TuesdaySpecial.com. That's where you can find all the past episodes. And, yeah, I don't have a Facebook or anything for the I – just, I just want you to listen to this podcast and share this podcast with everybody that you know because a lot of time and effort goes into it. And it's, But I say that, but I enjoy every conversation. And just like with Cliff at the end of this conversation, I felt like we knew each other a little bit better and we were a little bit closer. And that's what this is all about. So with that said, without further ado – the lighting guru himself, Cliff Riggins. All right, Cliff, are you a coffee drinker? No. I do, drink coffee? I, do, I do hot tea. Oh, but have you ever drank coffee before? Yeah. Okay. Yes. What, what made you transition to hot tea? Uh, probably working around British people. Ah, like is that is that what you attribute to it? Yeah, because it's like a whole art form that they have, like getting prepared and all that stuff. Okay, so just to, well, let's get, let's get start this the way we're supposed to. <laughs> the I'm sitting here with Cliff Riggins, which is so fitting for your for your occupation. Mm. So Cliff does he works for the union? Yes, in North Carolina. Is it North Carolina? North Carolina, Charlotte. Yes, and uh, so he's been to probably every concert anyone wants to be <laughs> wants to be at but he's not only been to them he's worked the shows and been uh somewhat responsible for the rigging and the lighting and the sound and everything that goes into it which is fascinating to me because i'm a production guy you know mm -hmm. let's give a little backstory so now back to the uh tea tea versus coffee mm -hmm. i wasn't i was never a coffee drinker ever because I hated the taste. I still hate the taste. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think at my at my shoot job or my real job, I worked I worked late, so I never had to do the coffee thing. Mm -hmm. Right? I was always maybe energy drink or whatever. 
I have to go in at three o'clock. I'd work till like one in the morning, go home, go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Then I switched to a job that I had to be there at six forty-five in the morning, and I started drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And now I now I, coffee. I have to survive off coffee because I have a, a kid, mm-hmm. like a baby. Right. So I don't ever, ever get any sleep. The, the now, did you, were you an avid coffee drinker before you switched to tea? No, never. Uh, only time I drank coffee was in middle school to be like my grandmother because she would take me to school and I don't want to be nice. like her. Nice. But other did you than that, like no. black? Yeah, black, straight up. That's no. how she drank it. Oh, my God. Yep. She's a bad influence. But the taste never really bothered me because I don't really like the taste of alcohol sometimes, but I'll drink it. So mm. it, it kind of the same thing. The uh, I like the taste of alcohol, I'm just, <laughs> but I don't drink anymore, right. The uh, which is crazy because Cabarrus Brewing is one of my sponsors, but good people. The uh, I don't know, like, it, but what I was going to ask is, I feel like <clears throat> not not that I'm sponsored by McDonald's or I want to say McDonald's is better than Starbucks, but McDonald's mocha is better than almost anything to me, mm. anything I can get at Starbucks. Because mm. I got Starbucks yesterday, and there I get a triple shot mocha there, and it was it's very mediocre. Mm. So I feel, I feel like it's almost what I'm getting at is. We're we're in a place in time now where quality doesn't mean as much as brand name, right? Which is weird to me. And I'll transition that into like brand, like with brands, you work with a lot of bands or like WWE when they come to town or any show. Do you circuit this away? Yeah, I have never done a circus one on my list that I want to do. Do they do they have their own crew or do when you come into North Carolina do you have to use the union? It depends on most of the venues. Yes, they are, uh, especially Broadway shows. Yeah. But uh, companies can seek out other smaller venues and use their own crew if they want to. Okay. Uh, North Carolina. Like, North Carolina don't enforce that very much. Okay. Like New York. Right. Know, New York, you got to be talking, union to do everything. Yeah. I've been talking to Mike about it. Not Mike, but I've been talking to the Hot Spots crew about WrestleCon in New York, and mm-hmm. they're, they've been talking about they've had to deal with the unions and every, mm-hmm. and such. But that's the way Nashville is, too. Right. I found out when we were working with Nashville. Like we we will find out on right, February second, right. but uh, what I, I I wanted to save this question until later, but I, I, it's I'm like antsy to ask. What is the best show that you've seen? Because I, I assume that you stay for the shows. Oh yeah, if, if it's one I want to see, I definitely will. Okay, won't. so what is the best concert? It, I mean, and, and you and we can and I mean we have to fill an hour, right? So right. we can you can break it up to like best performance piece, well, best yeah. showcase piece, best. That's the ambiguous thing because it depends on that moment in time, my mood, you know, the the, the artist, how, how they how they do on the show. Yeah, um, depends. On I know there's art. like different because, like, and mine, then I could give the cliche answers too, you know, like all oh, the Rolling Stones and you know stuff like that, which they put on a good show, but there's other well, bands. I thought my my example that I always give people is the best concert, and you can pick on me if you want to. I get picked on all the time about it. Best concert I've ever been to was Coldplay. The X and Y, like in 2003, it was outside show, but and it, it was, Coldplay puts on a good show, but it was the, like, uh, it was the marriage of stage performance, mm-hmm. uh, like lighting effects, mm-hmm. video screen effects, right. just the thought and the preparation that went into and the full presentation, it was the best I've ever seen. Now, if you ask me the best performance of like stage performance, and no, none of the big other stuff mm-hmm. was Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just like, and it was. I went to Aerosmith and Motley Crue in Charlotte, and Motley Crue comes out there with all this fire and strippers and right. and all these fireworks and shit. And then 
uh, Aerosmith comes out afterwards with nothing except right. for a screen and like a walk, like a walkway, right. and that's it, and killed it. Now that's interesting you say that because for me, one of my favorite has always been Alice Cooper. Um, oh, I bet I, Alice I've got to watch him, work him, and run spotlights. Which when you run the spotlights, it's a totally different world. You look at it totally different. Really, but for the same aspect, I like the whole overall performance. That's what makes me a wrestling fan. I like the whole overall presentation. Now let's dive into that. What what like what without getting into extreme detail, what makes it a different perspective i mean i, I understand a production from a production side right. but to the listeners because basically basically that lighting effect creates the mood or creates the illusion mm-hmm. so so to say he's got a spot where a head gets cut off well, i have to go to black suddenly and then hit a small small pinpoint light on the guy's head gotcha. to show that it's decapitated and i know gotcha. that that whole spot is determined if i hit the light right yeah so oh that's a lot as a guy that has a headset on with the spot and you being a fan knowing what's coming up it's really oh, intimidating yeah. and you're not looking at it like oh i can bang my head and i can jump around and enjoy the music you know but you're more See, focused so on watching the spot and watching you, it unfold so you understand my take on like a lot of people don't understand this and why i'm so particular about things and so whatever is because like everybody does so much mm-hmm. and if somebody misses one thing it could ruin everything in my mind right whereas everybody else is like it's right. okay right. it's okay but right. i'm like no no this right. is supposed to go perfect because for us my, we know the spot this is my up. ambition right. like this is my right. vision that's that's I, what i've I definitely had. had cues that i've screwed up and then later on i hear that they thought that was part of the show yeah but oh, in my yeah. world it nobody was the knows end of the day. Yeah. nobody knows <laughs> And that's and that's what I like. I used to be really bad about it, mm-hmm. and you've seen it enough to know that I flip out. But then I'll catch myself right. and be like, "Okay, I'm but sorry. That's, that's business. We're done. Though. Yeah, right. we're done. That's what makes me good at what I do. That's what makes you good at mm-hmm. what you do. But uh, the yeah, that's what I, I keep. I have to stop and remind myself that like the people don't know. Right. It was right. just part of the show. And if they see you freaking out, then yeah. they think. Yeah. yeah. Usually, I try to freak out in the back. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But so so Alice Cooper's like your favorite. What's, it, what's your favorite like stage presence? Stage, honestly, f- funny that you would have said Aerosmith, but Aerosmith was is one of the top five I've seen. Um, basically, the set they did that night, I'd seen them before, and they kind of was doing the same sets over and over, and it's kind of boring. And at yeah. certain point, Steve stopped the set and looked at Joe. And was like, "Hey, do you remember this jazz album we did in the seventies? I had no idea they did a jazz album. Oh, really? And they just stopped doing a set list and just played a straight forty five minutes of that jazz album. And uh, I was totally amazed because I didn't know they had the chops to play stuff like they did. That's awesome. Uh, th- that like I know I think I've made this statement before, but I think that Garth Brooks is a ma- he's a un- unbelievable musician, mm-hmm. unbelievable songwriter. If he wrote all the songs, I think he did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's had help, but he has this unique ability to make everything feel like it's it's happening for the first time at his concerts. Yeah. I mean, I, last See, time I don't know enough I've seen Garth. him. I, well, I, I saw him in like 1995 or six in Chapel mm-hmm. Hill and was, was an insane. Like he's just a performer, man. Right. He's, he was born to do it. It is what it is. Like people just have it. Right. Like people, like when you're a kid, you yeah. tap and boom. And you're like, Oh, there's, there, there's definitely artists that as soon yeah. as they walk on the stage, you want to, you're enthralled. You want to yeah. know what he's yeah. doing. And he's in, but like my example, like I went and saw him two years ago in Greensboro, when he was doing that comeback tour thing, and uh, like the, of course the present the stage presentation is awesome. Mm-hmm. He comes up through the stage. There's lights, the rigging, like mm-hmm. maneuvers and stuff. Right. But like there was one moment where he was playing his guitar and he acted like he was out of tune, and he kept trying to fix it. And he's like, you know what? I'll just get my other guitar. And then he threw it to a kid, a guy in the crowd, like a kid That's in the crowd. Cool. Like threw his guitar to him, and then he got his other guitar like it was nothing. And I'm like, 
oh my god, that was amazing. Nice. But he does it at every concert. That's cool. And it's just like you. It's it, who if he has a producer that comes up with that stuff. If he comes up with that stuff, whoever. Like I, I at that point, I started analyzing it, and I was like. He has this unique ability to make you think you're seeing something for the first time. Because right. not at no point until I were watching on YouTube and saw where he did it to a few other yeah. places and a few different other locations totally did I amazing. ever think that oh he does that's just part of his stage show right right but and that's what's interesting to me is I like the frills I like the the whole artistic approach but then I like the artist that just comes out with an amp and a guitar and that's all you need because oh, yeah. sometimes I think too much is too too much because they're they're taken away from the you know they have a gimmick there for a reason to cover up other yeah. things that are yeah. negative yeah. so the, it, it's weird I like both sides of the coin but me personally I like the less is more approach I think uh, I had a buddy I wasn't there I had a friend that told me that they went and saw Maroon 5 when they were coming up mm. it was Maroon 5 with Jason Mraz opening up for him mm. which I'm a huge fan of both Yeah, and uh and they, there was something wrong with the sound. It was at Tremont Music Hall in the big room. And there was something wrong with the sound, so they were trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And Jason Mraz just came out there with his acoustic guitar. Nice. And, like, just played songs. Like, took requests. Yeah. And played songs, like, without a microphone, without anything. Nice. And I was like, dude, that would have been so amazing. Yeah. And then I had another friend, because they get to do all the cool stuff and I don't. Another friend that went to the Foo Fighters when yeah. they were in for the... They were at the Fillmore for the Democratic National Convention when it was mm. in Charlotte. And he said that they just came out. They like had no opener. Right. Just came out said, we're just going to play everything we know. Unless it's a party. See, that's funny. I don't like Foo Fighters, but I respect Dave Grohl because of all the things. And then you, me, I hear stories on the inside, too, and all the good things I've heard about well, Dave. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's like I'm a <laughs> – sorry, I'm getting over cold. Uh, like, I love Dave Grohl. Mm. Uh, to death. And I think the Foo Fighters are, I love the artistic nature of everybody in the Foo Fighters. Cause like, if you watch the hot Sonic highways, have you ever seen that on no. HBO? Watch that on HBO. It's uh, if you have HBO, it's, uh, they do like a documentary, I guess I, it was part of the, like it was, I guess it was an agreement that when they were coming out with this, uh, album called Sonic highways, mm-hmm. but with it, they did this TV show where they went to different cities and when they'd go to the city, set up their, all their stuff in a studio or in a, mm. like at, uh, they went, when they went to Austin, they did Austin City Limits. They set all their stuff okay. up there and they recorded a song, but he would write the song in the city. They would record everything. So That's every, cool. every song is from a, the different city. It's a cool concept. And it's just like, you see stuff like that and you're like, I love the artistic nature. And right. then you watch interviews with Dave Grohl right. and how he talks about like auto, or auto, not auto tune, uh, Pro Tools yeah. and uh, computer music yeah, yeah. has ruined music. Right. Like now, do it at tape. You got to play it, and if there's imperfect like imperfections, right. then use it and stuff like that. Which I love. Which is funny. My grandmother, God rest her soul, but she was always a big proponent. She used to call it can music. She's like, I hate that can music. I want them to just play real yeah. music. Yeah, you know? and, and that's, that's what I, that's what I guess kind of I lean on to now. <clears throat> but I feel like, well, like I feel like the the Foo Fighters have fallen into that corporate. America, well, you, like the corporate band, yeah. which good for them because they're getting, like, they make a lot of money yeah. and they're ne- they'll never get old no. until, until they've all been right. just retire and go do right. their thing. But he hasn't oversold because he'll still do things like just pop up randomly and play with people and yeah. stuff like that. And I like, and I love the fact that he, uh, like he's almost like a role model yeah. to me of how he did. Like if I ever, I, if I ever became like mediocre famous or got a lot of money, mm. I would love to do the stuff that he does. Right. 
Like I'd love to like I like I he's a role model for how I would present myself and how I would right. like go about my business if right. I ever became had that platform. Yeah. But uh yeah, going back to the music thing, I produced music for a little bit. I mean oh, for a cool. couple of years. And I had a friend, I've, I've told the story many times on the podcast, I had a buddy, Nick, who's been on the podcast before, that came back from Iraq, and he, where he got out of the military, and he mm-hmm. came back, and he had done music, and they had studio stuff up in St. Louis, and he got me into it, and I fell in love with it because it was so hard to me, because right, right. I have no musical ability at all. Yeah, I mean, but I found out, I found out I have, like, I have a good ear, mm-hmm. like, I can produce, not produce as in make beats and, right. and, produ- and like, lay out music and stuff, I can produce uh, in the sense of, I don't know enough about music to alter what you're trying to do right. i know enough about music and my ear for music to to understand what you're trying to do and right. like make it make it a little bit better give my opinion as a fan of it right and uh we like i've always wanted to do something to tape because mm. we've always done because from a financial standpoint doing computer computer music where everything's on the computer and yeah is so much easier and so much less right. cost but I, yeah i still to this day wish that like I would I would take a like uh, when we get beats or when we have somebody make our instrumentals, like I would take that and that would have to be computerized. But I would right. love to run that on a track, right? And have the person just sing it all the way through and then do bo- do harmonies yeah. and stuff on tape. That's an amazing process. Oh my too. god, man! Yeah. It's I don't understand it. I mean, I do understand it, but I don't understand it completely like I do the computer right. side, like the right. digital side of it. But yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, lo- I love the Foo Fighters, and I went and saw I went and saw them recent, not recently, last year in Greensboro. I think it was like is it last year, or year before, and the Struts opened up for them. Yeah, yep. yep. Have you ever seen, yeah, the I've Struts? seen the Struts? Struts. Oh my so god! So I, I got to see the Struts at like a small like uh, like little town festival or something. They really? played like in front of like a hundred, hundred fifty people. That was oh that my was god. Cool. Dude, the struts are yeah. phenomenal. Now going back, I, I did have a sudden thought. I wanted to interrupt you. Going back, to yeah, favorite, go ahead. favorite performances. Some emotional performances are great too. So going way back in the day in Charlotte, they used to do a street festival on Moorhead Street. Okay. And uh, Allison Change was invited to come play. I may not have even been working at the time. I may have still been in high school. But uh, Lane Staley had just passed away, and they had mm-hmm. told Jerry Cantrell that he didn't have to come play. And he said, no, I want to play. I owe it to the fans. Yeah. And he did an acoustic performance of The Rooster, which was written for Lane's father. Oh, And you, okay. that was one of those performances you could feel the emotion yeah. coming out of his guitar, coming yeah. out of the amp. And everybody, man, to me, that it still gives me goosebumps to this day. But those kind of performances you cannot recreate. I was I but, was having a, yeah that's but like I said my my timeline goes back like fifteen years and then as a fan before that so some of my memories like go away and then certain things oh, I remember dude, I'm, I'm there. like oh yeah I'm there the uh, yeah dude whenever whenever something pops up because you do a lot and you're in production I'm in production I mean I so, forgot what shows I did last week already dude yeah so <laughs> now so like when you're in this field everything is so fast. That you can't like your brain's not going to process. Like right. I, I heard somebody on a podcast talking about uh, like people in the. People, I, don't, I don't. This is a, this can't be true, but this is a good like a good point is that people in the South remember stuff better than people like in New York. They just remember the because, Civil War. That's well, the- <laughs> and, and, and the reason the reasoning is uh, the reasoning is like if like not not necessarily the South people that live in. More uh, slower, low key, slower paced, slower paced like areas remember stuff better than people who live in the fast paced world, and uh, that that's that that was the origin of the thought is that uh, you you when you're doing stuff so quick and it's just boom 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 right. boom 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 
your brain can't store it right because it's going next 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 i next. mean i definitely you're probably the same way i know there's some days where i'm in two different theaters and an arena like I, like in one day i can do more than some people do in a month oh like, yeah yeah like not that i want to but it just and happens the, the craziest part about it and this is and then i will talk about this then we'll get back to some stories yeah. about the um the craziest part about it is that you take like me like when you do it so long you don't understand to the other to like out, the outside world right. how like privileged and how much it's right. crazy to them that you do stuff it's like that. It's a job. Let's get this done. Yeah, Why is this you, guy on yeah, stage? yeah <laughs> you're you're just like uh oh yeah, I had to do this. I mean, yours is way more than me. Mm-hmm. But like when I tell people I I got I had to fly to New Orleans for a week to mm. do uh WrestleCon, which is a right. thing uh that like a convention that's associated with uh, the town that WrestleMania is in and all mm-hmm. this and they're like, What? <laughs> And to me, it's just like I just got to go, like right. produce eight shows in three days, right. and it's getting almost right. like pass out. Well, at same the end thing of with it. New Orleans. I told people, I was like, "Yeah, I got to go work at WrestleMania, then I got to go do these high spot stuff, and yeah. blah blah blah." You know, like kind of complaining, and they're looking at me like, "What? What are you complaining about?" Because they're, they're, like, they're, they're like, like, "How's WrestleMania?" I'm like, "Eh, it's okay, but I did this high spot show, and I had this guy land on me." And it was yeah, really yeah. Like, the uh, <laughs> like WrestleMania is weird because. I feel like the Super Bowl would be the same way, or any big sporting event. It's so event. much work, man. It, you appreciate it in the day, but it's so much work. It's yeah, just, and it's uh, it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's like, why, why, you know? I would think so. Well, I know, like WrestleCon. WrestleCon houses maybe what three thousand fans, three or four thousand fans. Yeah, not. And that's a that's a damn chore, right. dude. And that's that's in, it's insane how much work goes into that. And we don't even have, like they we usually hire an outside company, or I should say, I, not we. High spots or Mike uh, uh, hires an outside company to rig up everything mm-hmm. and put up the screens and all that. Right. So we don't have to do that. Right. But it's still just oh prep work. Yeah. But the uh, but the yeah, and I agree with you. It, like when you see it in its full capacity, and you see the fans appreciate it. Yeah, that, that's why I do. It's what just I do, like yeah. yeah, it's just like okay, this is worth it. But while you're doing it, right. no. But like last year's WrestleMania, not the sidebar, but that whole stage was built out of plywood originally. And if you look at it, every Every single piece of plywood had to be miter cut or specialty cut. Then there's truss that came up through the stage to hold the floor to lee. So you had to have specialty cuts around everything come to the stage. So every single plywood had to be cut some type of way. But after they put all the frou-frou on it and the deco on it, it looks great. I wish uh, whenever WWE, if anybody's listening to this from WWE, uh, whenever you want to get rid of some of your video board... I would I would just contact us and we'd like to get some because <laughs> it's so expensive. They like to give away the ones that are involved in the spots that they get slammed onto. And stuff. I know, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, yeah, just like I'll take it. We'll right, fix it. Right. Like, it, I, sure, it's a lot cheaper to fit, get it fixed and then possibly have it. But uh, but so, yeah, I didn't mean to sidebar you there. No, 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 you're fine. This uh, this is they they hear me every week. Yeah. They they want to hear what you have with yeah. your stories. What uh, give me some. Uh, crazy moments that you've not and, and, necessarily and what, witnessed or in what direction because i've done festivals i've i've oh i mean I've i'm, I'm open to weather, weather events um well uh, short list i've been in near riots i've been in tornadoes um i've had chairs thrown at me what's the what's the most <laughs> so, we're, gonna, we're gonna just cut straight to the chase okay what's the most uh fearful situation you've ever found yourself in most fearful was probably the almost riot situation i can't even remember the band now but it was at a festival and the lead singer where was it at where was the festival it was at rebellion okay and the guys were being dicks and wound up not coming on the stage and they pretty much came out and announced that they were not going to come on and people started immediately throwing shit you get rained down with all kinds of big band 
It was a big band. I can't even. It might have been Stone Temple Pilots. Maybe that might have okay. been when Scott was going through the heroin. That makes phase. sense. I, I that makes know. sense. But um, yeah, but yeah, they just started raining all kinds of stuff down. They started chanting, you know, "F you." They started storming the bar. They actually knocked the barricade down. But you know, our job is to protect the equipment. So, but then at a certain point, you're protecting your human life. Yeah. But yeah. then you know, you're looking around like, well, where do we go? We there's there's nowhere to go because you're mean, in a big field. Right. Right. And, you know, I think, I want to say Rob Zombie or somebody wound up coming out there and, like, kind of pacifying the crowd. But that was, it was more scary because you didn't know what was going to happen. I feel like, I've never been to a festival. I've been to, like, OzFest. Yeah, that's kind of small, though. Yeah. I do, like, 100,000 people festivals sometimes. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you've ever been in the middle of 100,000 plus people, it's... I haven't. I don't don't know that I want to. It's exhilarating, but it's crazy at the same time because you suddenly realize those are individual people with individual thoughts and ideas and actions. Yeah. (laughs) God, you just made me even more anxiety-ridden about (laughs) something like that. I don't, dude, I don't like being in the, like, I don't like being in big crowds. Right. And what's funny is I used to be a patron. I used to like this stuff. I was in the middle of mosh pits. I'm a metal yeah. guy. Okay. Um, didn't bother me. But now as I get older, heck no. Like, like me and my girlfriend just recently went to a show and she mm-hmm. wanted to be in the middle. Of it, and I'm like, no, let's go hang out in the balcony. Yeah. Let's, dude, I went to, <laughs> when I was, oh, I was probably maybe 21, 22. Uh, I worked at Sears and a guy that worked with me named Mark, I think his name was Mark Testa. He took me to a show at Tremont in a smaller spot, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, and he he was all he was just like short, like just real clean cut guy, but he loved like like death metal, right? Right. <laughs> and I didn't know this, <laughs> and he uh, he took me to the show, and they had mosh pits, and there was like maybe hundred hundred fifty yeah. people at this thing, but it was in the small piece of Tremont, right? And uh, it was when they had like the you know the little Step up things I, that you I grew can sit up on. In Tremont, yeah, uh, and and dude, he's like, let's go get the mosh pit. I was like, kiss my ass. I'm gonna and I, dude, I stayed at the bar- I was standing like you're right. supposed to sit. I was standing right. at the very top, like leaning right. up against the rail right. the entire time. But now, yeah, that's not my. Now you talking about Tremont? We can go way back to when I was a fan. I, I hate let's to do say, it. I hate to say this. I was a dude, jug- I was rest a in peace, Tremont. Yeah, rest in peace, Tremont. I have a I love there. Tremont. But uh, I was a juggalo, I hate to say, back in the day, ICP fan, loved it, went to all the crazy ICP shows. Well, in the middle of the show, one of them was like, hey, guys, come up on stage, and we'll all dance together. So it started out as a fun thing, and Violent J came and gave me a bear hug, and then next thing you know, you feel the stage move. The stage literally collapsed on us at Tremont. Really? So the big The big, the big stage, yeah. Yep, because they had ICP plus I don't know how many juggalos on the stage. Oh, my God. And that's when they got banned for a while from coming to Tremont. <laughs> But, we ran, you know, we ran shows at Tremont. Yeah, I've heard that. So, yeah, so it, I just come on board with you guys a year or so ago. Like I've yeah. kind of known a little bit about your product, but I was we, trying to, I was trying to go to the WWE, but it's so, I don't know, and it's so restrictive. I don't think I would have as much fun. Yeah, that's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, like there's fun moments, but you don't really get to cut up. Like here, if I decide I want to do something crazy with the lights, and and I know you're gonna be okay with it, I can kind of do it. Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like that. Because I've toyed with that idea because everybody, anytime they ever put up a job that could associate with me, somebody mm-hmm. sends it to me. Yeah, yeah. And I've put in, but I know there, I had this conversation with, I think, Corey the other day. I know there, you have to know somebody. Right. To get, like, get somebody's yeah. got to vouch for you, and, right. they, and then that, then they might let you right. in the door. So it's, I, I, I think I would more, I, I like to build this, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of, like, at WrestleCon. Mm-hmm. At WrestleCon, when Mike's like, just make sure it looks good. Right. Like he's not like I want this and this. Right. I want this. And you and have this. freedom with that. Yeah. 
He's like, I trust your judgment. Well, I trust WWE, your production skills. Well, it would be the same thing every single day, traveling day in and day out. Yeah. And, that, and, it's a, and, and I, I assume it gets to the point where you are just like, it's just like second nature. Yeah. Like, you know, you hit this. Yeah, I've worked this, with a lot of those guys where I'm like, how, like, like we were talking about earlier, they're just in that moment. They don't even realize what job they have. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they're just like, oh, my God. But, like, going back to me, that's why I've never took a steady job in the business I, yeah. I like doing something different i don't i don't want to get i, I don't want to not enjoy the job anymore the second i do i need to find something the else. only thing that would aggravate me about that is the difference of not equipment but uh equipment available to you uh, but definitely. i assume yeah i assume I mean, you tell, tell me if i'm wrong but i assume when you're when it gets to a certain like level of success or level of uh not professionalism isn't is the right word level of popularity mm-hmm like you have unlimited equipment available to you. Right. And they basically have their own guys and you get to the point in this business where if they're coming in with their own guys, their own equipment, you just think from the neck down. That's our favorite thing in our business, neck down. Just tell me what you want and where you want it. Gotcha. You know, I don't want to think about it. But it's give and take. Like with this, I, with the you know, with the PWX, I like doing it because I I can think a lot. Yeah. But there's some gigs I well, just want to go in also, and just just tell me where to put the light. Yeah, <laughs> it's also like I don't know anything about lighting. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I know what I want it, I know what I want. Right. Right. But that's that's my thing is like I know what I want, but I don't I don't want to. I already have enough on my plate. Right. So and like delegation was my big step forward in 2018. Mm-hmm. So uh, like now now if I have somebody like I have Eric. Right. And I don't have to do all the production stuff because I have Eric and Pierce. Right. right. And now with lighting, I have you. Right. I, I don't need to learn every single right. freaking thing about lighting. You just I, tell me what I you're trying to do. With it, yeah. I need this. Right. Knock it out. I trust you. Go. Right. right. <laughs> and in ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you do it. <laughs> right. But the only reason that is because none of us do it one hundred percent of the time. Right. right. We, we all screw up sometimes. And, and I'll be the first one to tell you. After fifteen years of experience, I'm still learning. I don't know. Oh everything. yeah, but that's that's you the, don't want to work with a guy I, that knows everything. No, no, <laughs> God no. I'd have to work with Brian every day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who thinks they know everything? Right. But they. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, but I like learning because I, like I'm terrified because I have to edit the live stream today, and but I, I'm really good at it. Now you'll see they me doing this it. on the big shows. Talking about the big shows, the big lighting guys and stuff. You'll see me standing behind them, watching them on the board. Yeah. If they're receptive enough, I'm like, hey man, what are you doing? What? Why are you doing this look like that? Yeah, you know, you, you're still a chance to learn every day. Yeah, the uh, I don't I mean, it's a it's a. I don't know. I think if I ever felt like I knew everything or this wasn't hard, right? Then I never want. To, I don't no. want to do it anymore. I definitely like to be challenged. I mean, that's why I do some of the crazy stuff I do. I like to be challenged and not have an answer for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we talked about uh, near what what run-ins have you had with like celebrities? So, musicians? rock and roll musicians. Probably the earliest I can remember is I, you know we we go to catering and we use the same catering as the talent. Oh, and nice. I was sitting there and this guy sits down and I kind of see a beard out of the corner of my eye and turn around it's Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. But, you know, I'm new to the business, and I'm scared to screw up, so I real shakily get my food and, you know, kind of yeah, leave, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, Billy Gibbons, um, I've had negative experience with uh, Billy Joe from Green Day because he was mad we was in the, his uh, locker room, but we was directed to go in and get cases out or whatever. Gotcha. Um, Kid Rock's pretty cool. He'll he'll hang out and smoke weed with you if you do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, that's not uh... – Hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kid rock. But then I've had negative experiences with him where he wouldn't get out of the dress room because he's hanging out with strippers and doing whatever else, and he's got the whole crew held up. Because oh, really? We can't get in his you know dress room. Um, probably the coolest interaction I ever had though um, was Bruce Springsteen 
and it makes this, me happy. Yeah, this is when I first started also, and we see him come down the hall, and we all kind of know, kind of stay out of the way. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to get trouble, and he came by and individually shook each one of our hands and said, thank you for doing my show. And at the time, I didn't know the business was like that. I didn't know there's people that was appreciative of what we did. Yeah. So the, that uh, one definitely sticks with me. One of my favorite stories ever from a wrestling perspective was WrestleCon in San Jose, California. And uh, I was setting up the lights, and uh, this little Japanese guy comes to me. And he goes, uh, uh, Patrick? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. He goes, oh, me Liger. Uh, I, I have music and I was on thumb drive. And I was like, oh, no, I have it. I've already downloaded it. I got yeah. it. He's, I'm okay. He's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And he shook my hand and walked away. And I was like, dude. First of all, I didn't know Liger looked like that. I'm not going to tell people right, what he looks right, like right, in real right. life. But I didn't know he, like, that blew my mind. Right. And uh, second, like, he is a legend right. in professional wrestling and has done this for decades. Yeah. And he is still so respectful to right. every person that works. That, that's really that cool helps. And I was like, that's, like, that's my, like, that's my motivation right. for, like, I mean, it's, it's, and this, this sounds so egotistical, but. Like, Brian's the owner, and I'm, like, the second head of right. the, the PWX company. So every so everybody's going to kiss my ass. Right. It's a given. Right. Like, that's a power position. Right. But I also keep in mind that I want to tell everyone thank you for right. doing Like, you're, you're never too low for me to overlook right. you. And that's the most important. Yeah, even the people that come sit up the ring right. and all that. Like, like you, uh, your, your work will be rewarded at right. some point. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, right. but at some point. Because right. I, I just I keep checking these names of like people that i that i owe back because they're working for us and see that's what's funny with me is i don't expect anything in return i just love giving back to the business because i want to see it succeed not even just wrestling in itself just entertainment business as a whole because if it dies off then what does the next generation have to look for yeah but But, but it is cool whenever i don't even think about that and then somebody comes up and thanks me or does a you know gesture and yeah then i'm like wow that's that's, I didn't even realize well, what I was. Thinking. Always, always like the analogy that I use is I protect it to like, like say our stage for instance, because we're at, we're at Cabarrus Arena before X sixteen night two. We got up early after a late night to do this, late, so right. respect it and listen to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes and all that good stuff. But uh, like the the two lights that are sitting right here, like they added so much to the show. Hey. But if we didn't have them, right. It wouldn't be at the level it is. And you want to hear a sneak peek behind the scenes so it's of like, those lights? Well, so it's like, so I tell people, like, no matter how big or small your job is, mm-hmm. if we didn't have you, right. the show would, would hurt. Right. So yeah. we just keep that in mind and understand Thank you. that. Thank you. But the, okay, so let's see here the sneak peek. Don't be giving away too much. I'm not, I'm not. Okay. But, but the funny thing with these two movers he's talking about is the crowd actually wound up in front of me and I couldn't half see them. So I had to look at the ceiling and look at a small monitor very far off to my left to even kind of <laughs> yeah. tell what I was doing. We'll turn this thing a little bit more. But, it, but, but, you know, because I've done it so long, I kind of had a feel of what the lights were doing without yeah. even seeing the lights. So, yeah. so just to let you guys know out there, sometimes I can do lights without even seeing lights. That's a professional guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, going back to uh, interactions, I will to throw a wrestling interaction in there. Okay. Back, back when I started early again, um, at one time you could eat in the same catering room as the WWE guys. Ooh. This they was, have good catering, too. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. But uh, <laughs> I stayed fat in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is probably 2004, uh, slightly uh-huh. after WCW acquisition. Um, so I'm sitting down and catering eating. And these guys come, you know, sitting beside me, and I start looking up, and it's Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, 
Arn Anderson, and I believe P.S. was there, Michael P.S., because yeah. they were road agents at that time. Yeah. Remember, yeah. From, but they're they're my childhood heroes, you know. Oh, yeah. I've been watching wrestling since I was a day old, so, of course, I was just like, hey, guys, and I got up and kind of ran away from the table. But looking yeah. back on it, I was like, man, I would have loved why, to just, why you just sit, sit there and, and listen. 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 Yeah. Well, I have in later years with other uh, talents, but that was probably my biggest wrestling mark-out moment. I met Dusty the year before he died. Yeah. Or passed away, I should say. Uh, and he was uh, like incredible human being. Yeah. And he and he was like I think it was when because when we saw him, no disrespect to Dusty, like you could tell he was like yeah. he wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Like he he just wasn't healthy. Right, right. And uh, it was at the NWA Legends Fan Fest, and we were filming stuff, and we went in and filmed some with him and talked with him for a few minutes. The uh, I guess I can share some interaction stories. A fun wrestling interaction story was when uh, <clears throat> Daniel Bryan was at. Or Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson was at uh, the NWA Legends Fan Fest, and uh, I had met him one other time before somewhere, maybe at Ring of Honor or somewhere, and uh, and I said, uh, me and him were sitting there talking, and I said, man, this was after he got fired from WWE for choking Just right. Roberts with a tie, and I said, uh, like, do you ever think you'll go back to WWE? And he's like. Man, I'm not gonna say never say never, but I kind of I didn't leave on good terms with all that. He said so, probably not anytime soon. I'm enjoying the Indies, and I was like, dude, I understand, man. Good luck to you, but the next night was when he showed up on Survivor Series. Uh, so he already knew. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you son of a bitch. That, that's pretty good. That's like, pretty good. oh my god. Uh, let me see negative interactions. I don't. I don't want to throw anybody. <laughs> yeah, under I don't. Bus. I don't like that because the thing is, too, it's, in this business, but, you never know their situation either, yeah, and you yeah. sometimes you approach them at the wrong time. And, and that's it's. Why. Uh, and I don't know. I wouldn't know what to. Like, I don't know how I would. How, like when I feel like whenever somebody would bother, people would bother me that much right. that I'd have an attitude right. too. As much as everybody right. says, no, I'd right. love them. I'd sign. I would sign autographs when I went, when I was signing. If I'm with my family, I wouldn't. If I if I'm on my private time, I wouldn't. Just I'm sure you're the same way as me. Like we're kind of recognizable, and people come up kind of bugging us just a little bit that we get still yeah. bothered. And usually, sometimes. and and usually it's a. I mean, I know there's times like people. Well, people people will understand now. That like as soon as those doors open, I'm in like show mode. Yeah, like blinders on, right. show mode. I I'm I'm. Right. So people will be like, hey, and I just be like, hey, right. shake their hand and walk away. Right. And I know that's a very. Uh, it comes across as very. I'm same way. I'm over here programming the board, and people yeah. tap hey. me on the shoulder and everything else, and I'm not paying them no yeah. attention. I'm and <laughs> it's uh, so I know you're always gonna have those. Right. What I call asshole interactions, right. where you seem like an asshole, but you right. don't intend to. Now, at all. where if we're trying to do our job and we're trying to ask them their cue or ask them something in their dick, that's a different story to yes. me. Because it's like, hey, man, I'm trying to make you look better. So now that I've done this long enough, my yeah. solution is, okay, you're not going to get no lights tonight. It yeah. sucks to sound like that kindergarten mentality, but it's but, like, that, but it's true. Like if you if you can't tell me what you need, then right. I can't give you what you want. Right. I'm just going to give you basic, generic, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, what. Another thing I'm fascinated by, because you you'll just climb up on and stand on top of a ladder that's like 15 <laughs> feet tall, with no like with no regard to fear at all, and it's amazing to me because if I walk up six foot on a ladder, I feel like I'm about to die. Right. The uh, like, what's the highest you've ever had to go to uh, like rig up some kind of staging? I believe Superdome is 175 feet. Jesus Christ! But I rock climb also, so I've been on ledges even higher than that. Do you like pulley system rock climb? Uh, well, uh, I do free climb stuff. I don't. I haven't really gotten to a lot of the ropes and stuff like that. But I do a lot of free climb. But sometimes what? You, yeah. Hold I, on. So, so when you free climb, <laughs> is it 
You have no safety net? No safety net. But I'm not doing the crazy, like, what flat walls. But, what ca- <laughs> but, oh, but Oh, so you're not doing flat walls. So if you do fall. But you can still fall, but it's not like it's a total flat wall. You got little egresses to climb up into and stuff like that. The Okay, so your justification for not climbing flat walls is that if you do fall, you're just going to bounce off a few walls before you get to the hopefully. ground. Hopefully you'll land on one of the ledges and you'll just have a broken leg or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's like I'm going to skydive out of this plane and hopefully I land in a net but, but like, I tr- uh, like a thousand miles down. But I try to take calculator risk as crazy as that sounds. I mean, I understand So that. I try to make sure I have a good foothold or a good handhold and hopefully make sure this rock don't break away when I grab I was, it. I was going to say, like, it's nature. I try to kind of, yeah. You can't, like, know. Right. Like, this is blowing my mind. You can't know when you grab, put your hand in a little <laughs> hole. I mean, I try that to. The hole isn't going to give out. I mean, you give it a little tug and then you go oh, for it. Oh, that's bullshit. I mean. <laughs> you can't, like, there's no insurance system that says, okay, I'm going to hang for a second. Nope. The holes, I'm good. Nope. Dude, you're crazy. I mean, you I've, are crazy. I, I, What's the highest wall you, or like rock wall? Rock wall, I don't really know. I mean, I do Crowder's Mountain a lot. I mean, I don't. I don't really know once you get out on a mountain. Is it, are we talking like us. a hike? Are we talking about like? Huh, I've find done your stuff footing, like like find your like, like, and get ha- one? like Half Dome uh, out in Yosemite. They, there's actually a steel rope thing that you actually kind of hang on to as you come up because it's such an incline. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know I like as long as there I feel like if there was granted, I'd, my cardio has never been good. It, I would like blow up and yeah. maybe like five feet. Yeah. The uh, like if I have a pulley system and somebody holding, I'd do yeah, it. Belay it yeah. yeah. Now, I want to get into that more, but that, really, I don't but have, you have to have somebody, two people, right? Right. You have that, to have a that's partner. the problem. That's why a lot of times I don't have somebody like that. So not only do you go rock climb, uh, Without a safety net or any safety device to like attached to you, but you also do it alone. So if you do fall, I mean, I tell like, you'll be out there for a few days. Right. So you have food in your book bag. Yeah, I do okay. have. I do have a. I do do have a prep pack. So okay, I as long just that. like is is that the is that the idea behind it? Is if I fall and I'm stuck out in this in this <laughs> desert. For three days, I have enough food and water to last me four days. Yeah, you always think about the the, what, the get out factor. You always think about what if. So you always want to try to be prepared for that. Why do people do this? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like it. It gets me edge or two uh, closer get to Get you a VR system. <laughs> And put it on your eyes and rock climb it just like makes in me your feel closer room. to life, man. I don't, I don't know. You know, you're really alive when you're up there and your heart's. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. You can. You you also know you're really alive if you go to the ghetto. Well, I grew. Up, I grew up in the ghetto. Oh. So, so you're even immune to that. Right. I mean, if somebody shoots a gun off, I don't really... Well, I don't I mean, mind that unless they're <laughs> shooting it near me right. or at me. But you know how the, to behave in a ghetto, like growing up in a ghetto, and you know what streets to go to. You know oh, what, I don't. How to I behave, do. I, you know? We were in St. Louis one time with uh, said Nick, my buddy that uh, got me into music. We were up in St. Louis recording his album because yeah. uh, that's where all his equipment was. And uh, they said there's a guy named J-Trax who's actually signed to a label now. That's really, He's really good, really talented. Um we were going to pick him up from his house, and it was you've heard stories about like East St. Louis ghetto. Right, right. That's where we went. <laughs> nice. And everybody is uh, like African American or of color, mm-hmm. except for me. I'm right. a token white guy. <laughs> I've always been a token white guy in music. Nice. Uh, and uh, I like we go in this BMW and we pull up and we're just sitting there. And Charlie, who were, who was like the host of the whole thing, he lived in St. Louis. Um, he's like, I'm going in to get tracks. I'll be right back. And he just gets out of the car and shuts it and goes into the house. And me and Nick, and Nick's mixed. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, like, 
nothing racial, right, nothing, right. just not my like, just not your territory. Yeah, I can I can be taken for many different like many different assumptions. Right, for like my presence in that right. in that, and and the in the same thing for like uh, if a black person came into like yeah, Valentine, yeah, or Valentine or something. not not Valentine, Piper Glen, like, yeah, like people people will make a make uh, associations right. that aren't correct just because right. of skin. It's a it's a shitty thing to to way the world works. Right. Now, but, that's what stage work is good for if you've been out long enough. You learn how to kind of fit in with any certain crowd. Yeah. No, I can. I can, and I did. And But it's just like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it's just whenever you get in a setting that, it's not that I, it's not that I don't like being, I don't want people to take this when they listen to it, that I don't like being around like black people. Right. Or being, being in a ghetto. But there's I don't mind it. I love, I love it. I love there's it. There's definitely different sections of town. Yeah, but it's just like when you go, I mean, it's just like if I went to Compton. Yeah. I've never been to Compton, but I right. assume if I went to Compton, there are people are going to think I'm either a cop, an right. undercover cop, or a drug, like a, a somebody drug. looking for drugs. Yeah. And that, that's just because that's not the, people don't the, people don't just come like white people don't just come right. into Compton just, and you know what I mean. I get it all the time when I tell people I grew up on Freedom Drive. Their question is, "How did you survive?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? How did I survive?" <laughs> like, because I'm a survivor. <laughs> I'm not gonna give that's up. It. I'm not gonna. That's I'm just it. kidding. But yeah, with the, with the height thing, it's uh, Spectrum Center is 130 feet to the low steel, 150 to the high steel. Um, so, it, so I assume to get to get to the top walk, uh, catwalks, mm-hmm. you go to the top of the building and yes. then climb up. No, there's actually with the Spectrum they have a elevator goes straight up to the catwalk. Oh, really? You out right on the catwalk. That's now, those. That's those like newer arenas. Yeah. Now the like, old like arenas now like Independence Arena. Yeah. Now fascinating <laughs> story about the Superdome in New Orleans. It's kind of sad too with the Katrina mention, but to get into their ceiling, it's kind of hard to describe. But there's these weird back hallways that are kind of at a weird 45 degree angle. You feel kind of like you're on a racetrack, and then you just pop out in the ceiling, like in the middle of like in the middle of the Superdome. Oh, really? So you kind of have to know the path, and you pop out. But, it's but, like a maze. Yeah. But in those back oh, hallways, there's you see people had wrote, you know, was here this year, and you knew some of that was from the Katrina people. So really? it's kind of it, that talking about experiences though. That was yeah. one of the, I like history too, so yeah. you could really feel the history in that building. That's you, crazy that people you, you kind of wanted to feel. Well, I guess when you, you know? have that many people in like right. a venue, you can't control right. where all they. And then all there's go. people wanting to do bad things, and some of those hallways are perfect for. Yeah. Them, oh yeah. You know? The. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh some God. buildings you definitely have to climb, but. When you're up there, you're not really thinking about it. You're thinking about getting your, your equipment up there, getting it tied off or whatever yeah. else. So <laughs> they do – now <clears throat> we're getting to the logistics of trussing. Yeah. The like, Do they have like a pulley system that you hook up to the top? They have a chain motor. It's called a chain motor, and it runs just like a regular motor, and a chain either comes out of the motor or uh-huh. it raises up, and that chain is what ultimately pulls the equipment up and down. So so basically you lower the chain all the way to the well, floor. Well, you lower a rope to the lay floor. Lay out everything into the floor. Yeah, you lower a rope down from the eye So the beam. chain connects to a rope. Right. There's a piece of steel that connects to the rope, which that steel goes to the chain. That okay. steel is what wraps around the eye beam and holds the motor. Okay. Gotcha. So basically, you lower your rope 130 feet down. They hook up this this equipment, the you know the steel and the chain, and you pull it up. You have to Which, pull it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you're not pulling the motor. The motor will stay on the ground, but you're pulling the chain and steel. So by the time you're getting up there, you're probably pulling 60, 70 pounds, if not more. That's bullshit. And you can't drop it. Somebody, gonna... <laughs> some. I'm gonna create Dutch. Write this down. <laughs> We're gonna create a system where people that do rigging don't have to pull the steel up. Or the trussing up by hand. But that'll put us out of work then. No, it won't. (laughs) 
because we will make it to where only riggers know how to use now, equipment. Now, I will say, like Superdome, they are able to put a pulley system on the floor and pull it from the floor. Some arenas will do that. But oh, you okay. get to an arena, you don't have that. Greensboro calls them the same way. You know, because it's older. to pull it. Um, if you've ever been to Cameron What's, Indoor Stadium, yeah. well, I've had to climb those beams. If you really go in there and look, you're not supposed to be. OSHA came in a year ago and said, hey, you guys can't be climbing this no more. Dude, the, <laughs> I played a pickup game on the court of Cameron Indoor nice. Stadium nice. with Mike Dunleavy and Jason Williams watching us. That's cool. When I was in high school. And to my experiences, I mean, even though I'm not a Duke fan, I'm like, hey, I've touched the, the basketball goal and I've touched the scoreboard at yeah. Cameron Indoor. And that's, that's insane. Historical. That's a That's a beautiful building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, the uh, – and we'll wrap this up. What's the what's the old besides well Cameron might be it. You might answer my question. What's the oldest building that you've like been able to work in? Uh it's probably a tie between Cameron and Bojangles because they were both built in the fifties, I believe. What uh have you have you ever went out of state besides with WWE? Yes. And none of those buildings have ever really been old buildings. Now coming up to Nashville with War, War Memorial, Memorial, I'm probably I'm looking forward to that. I was just what I was gonna ask, yeah. Because I read some of the history on that and that's that's pretty Dude, it's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, uh, like, landmark. And, like, for me, like I said, I get kind of, uh, I don't know what the word, emotion, not really emotional, but I, I kind of feel the vibe of the building. You can kind of, oh, yeah. you can kind of yeah. feel the memories, like Elvis walked through here. That's what, like, we, reverence maybe is the word. We, me and Brian were talking, and I told Brian, because we were working on our flights to go there, is I said, I want to get there as early as possible, because I want to, I want to go in before everybody's in there. Right. And just sit in there and just take in that right, building right. because that building has so much history. You look at all the music videos that building's been right. a part of, the all Grand the Opry. Grand Opry. Yeah. Dude, it's insane. That might be why that building costs so much. Right. Now, Madison Square Garden, I'm looking forward to. I've never got to go. Are there. you doing the Madison Square Garden? I'm I, trying to I, politic. I don't know. But, I'm trying to politic. But, in, but, but the way I, I roll is I ask forgiveness later, and I just roll in and act like I'm supposed to be there. And yes. You know, that's, definitely. That's, that's my motto. <laughs> I just crash the place. Definitely. But it's it's definitely because I'm a history buff. I definitely love it because I like to imagine what what were people in this building doing 40 years ago or 50 yeah, years ago. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to politic my way into Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen or right. not. Like I said, sometimes I just don't ask because sometimes they know you're coming, and they're like, "Oh, watch out for that guy." <laughs> yeah, the uh, I figure if I wear a suit, I wear a suit and tie, <laughs> and look like I'm supposed to be there. Hopefully, if these shows first and second go good, I'll have an invitation. So for there. me, I got a pretty good looking lanyard, and I come up in all black, and I just, yes. I just walk. But that's funny talking about situations like that. I, in New Orleans, I was trying to come in and watch NXT. I don't know the building at all, but I'm yeah. confident in what I do. Yeah, and I go straight forward. I wind up in pretty much a janitor closet. <laughs> And then I was like, shit, I know these guys seen me come in this building and go in the closet. Yeah. And probably thinking this guy does not belong here. <laughs> that's when you that's when you step out and you say, has anybody seen a mop? Right. <laughs> All I need is a damn mop. Because right. somebody spilled something right. over near the stage. You got to think really quick in those situations. Yeah. The, uh, I'm, dude, I'm a, I'm a master at bullshitting. Right. So I feel like I could maneuver my way into anything. Right. But the problem is, is I'm paranoid. Like, I, I tell people... I don't like. I don't really smoke weed, mm-hmm. but it, if I did, and paranoia came with the weed that I smoked, right. like that's how I am every day, all <laughs> every day. day. Yeah, yeah. So, so I would, I would get in, in the entire time. Oh, I yeah. would think somebody's looking at me. So you're not even enjoying it. No, no. I would be <laughs> like, like I'm, the, I'm the guy that. Oh, look, there's some seats there a little closer. Yeah, and, or some my friend that's with me is like. Oh, we can go sit like second row because there's nobody. There's nobody there, and it's like the second quarter. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but what if they show up? Yeah, what if they? Uh... <laughs> well, we have to fight. Right. Like, will we get kicked out? 
Well, this person knew my parents. <laughs> right, right. Like it's just it's ridiculous. But man. my friends and, love my friends love me though because they'll see me in a building. They say, "No, I'm front row chair," and they're like, "How the?" <laughs> the uh, dude when I was when Nitro used to come to town, uh, my best friend's sister knew a guy that was in security mm-hmm. at Independence. Mm-hmm. So we would buy like general admission seats, and then we had to we go find him, and he'd find like some front row seats that nobody said nobody showed up for, yeah. and he'd just sit us there. And then when somebody, then when those people would come in, he'd get us up and sit us somewhere else. Yeah, dude, I, like probably six nitros. I <laughs> nice. did that. Nice. And I don't know, and I like I guess I was too young to understand. Right. Like I didn't I didn't care because I because like Sonny Ono's right there and Goldberg and right, 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 there. right. But uh, but now yeah, now is yeah. like. And I mean, this is how this is how shitty it is. Is like if I'm sitting there watching a game, and something similar to that situation happens, like the road behind me right yeah. here, I feel bad for everybody. That's oh involved yeah, right yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, like I don't, I just, I'm like that with crowds. Sometimes I stay, you know, I go forward, and then I realize I'm standing in front of like some short lady or something, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. Then yeah. you're then you're worrying about the people you behind me, you. The whole you want me to put you on my shoulder? <laughs> yeah, I'll put you on my shoulder so you can see exactly. While I hold my girlfriend's hand. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not awkward at all. But uh, yeah, in being in Charlotte, working there for so long, most of these people know me, and I've kind of got that attitude. It's bad to say, but it's like I'm not paying to get in any of these venues. Like if I can't get in, I'm not coming. That's and, me with wrestling then, shows. Then I go to a small, I feel so bad. Like, like I hang out at Thomas Street Tavern, and someone's they have a band and want to charge me ten dollars, and I'm like, really, guys? You know what I do for a living? I'm not paying <laughs> to get in this little tavern. I'll pay you later. Yeah, pay, exactly. <laughs> I'll buy. I'll buy liquor. You know. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah, the, but then the other thing too is security guards know me. So sometimes you can see the security guy looking at me, and he's just shaking his head because he knows I'm not supposed to be there. Yeah. But he knows he's me, like, so he's like, "Don't get me in trouble." Fucking That's Cliff, all. man. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, we'll finish off with what's what's the best since we brought that up. What's the best free like show free show that you've ever gotten? Best free show is probably WrestleCon. Oh. Well, you can well, I yeah. can I use that? I mean, yeah, I because I, I didn't have clearance. I just kind of showed up. and Was like, hey, I can help with this stuff because I was and still trying me. to work my way. Well, you still didn't know me. Know and me the, though. I wasn't on that level with you. Where and, you, you know. uh, and just so you know, the whole time that you showed up and was watching WrestleCon, I was over there just shaking my head, looking at you, knowing you weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> but you know, I was just that, that's how I started with PWX. Though I just showed up because I knew I wanted to get more involved in the local stuff and didn't know how. And you guys had that show right down the road from me, and I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just gonna show up and tell him I know how. So I showed up and told Kevin I know how. And a year, so f- <laughs> a year later, y'all figured out that ah, I, I was only halfway bullshit. I halfway me. know what I'm doing. You got us. No. <laughs> only halfway know what I'm doing. <laughs> right, but, but honestly, I'm totally humble about what I do. I, yeah, I don't man. do it to show off or nothing. Dude, it's, you know, yeah, it's, I got stories for days that some people's like, you got no proof, but I, I don't care. It's, yeah, it's dude, in my mind. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, I don't have to prove it to you. I experienced it. Yeah, so. that's amazing. And, I, and I, like I've said, I've said, I've said numerous times, the uh, like the experience is the only thing you take with you when you die. Right. Like that's, and that's what my life is all about. People don't understand it, but money, it's not about money. It's not about no. possessions. It's about cool experiences that we have. Yeah. But Cliff, thank you for joining me, man. Thank you, Patrick. Very privilege, much. bud. Yes, sir. Thank you, bud. Thank you for listening to Tuesday's special podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> Leave a like on this video and um and comment down below oh yeah oh yeah baby <laughs>